1: And welcome into this game preview episode of the damn podcast here on the 24 seven sports podcast network and powered by beaverblitz.com. I'm your host, Carter Baines. I'm joined as always by Beaverblitz.com publisher, Angie Machado. And since it's a Thursday here on September 8th, we're previewing Oregon state's next football opponent. And as we do on Thursdays, we have a guest with us, Jackson Moore of barkboard.com. The Fresno state affiliate on the 24 seven sports network is with us. Down in California, Jackson, first of all, I got to know how hot is it down there today and how excited are you that it's not <laughs> supposed to be in the hundreds on game day anymore?
0: Yeah, I just got home. I said 108 in my car. Ooh. It's been 114 after practice this week. And for whatever reason, it's supposed to cool down on Saturday. And so kind of good and bad. The red wave is happy. It won't be so hot. But the Bulldogs were, were hoping to have it be as hot as possible for, or the beavers coming in. So it looks like it's going to be a pleasant night.
1: Yeah, and actually it's, as it stands right now, it's forecasted to be about 10 degrees hotter in Corvallis yeah. than in Fresno <laughs> on Saturday. So funny how that works out. I know it was uh, well above 110 earlier in the week down there. Um, but Oregon State throughout the week was practicing in Corvallis where it was, you know, 80s-ish sunny. Um, so I think they will be They'll be good to go for a an evening kickoff down there in in the Central Valley around 90 degrees, um, but with Jackson here with us today on on Thursday, we're just gonna hit all sorts of stuff on Fresno State, preview some of um, the strengths and weaknesses of that team, some of the matchups to watch for, um, but we're gonna get things started uh, with with a pre or with a review of Fresno State's win. Over Cal Poly last week, thirty-four to seven. Uh, before we do that, I want to bring Angie in here because she hasn't uh, she hasn't gotten a chance to talk yet. But Angie's holding it down with me up here in Oregon. We're staying uh, we're staying home this week. Neither of us are traveling to California. But Angie, how excited are you for this matchup? Which I think you and I both expect to be one of the more uh, coin-flippy type games of of Oregon State's twenty twenty two season.
2: Yeah, I mean this is a big one. I I, I can't emphasize that enough how big this game is not only just for Oregon state's preseason, but um, you know, this, you guys know that I've been watching the damn podcast. I picked this as a loss preseason. So I picked only two losses in the whole season. It was Fresno state and Utah. So um, I think this is a big opportunity. Um, Jay Kaner is a great quarterback. I, I am, I'm anxious to talk to Jackson though, because I was not as impressed with Fresno state's offensive line this with the Cal Poly game, and then I was more impressed with Oregon State's front seven than I expected to be. So I'm anxious to see this matchup, but um, this is a big one for Oregon State. Never won down in Fresno. Down in Fresno.
1: Yeah, zero and six down in Fresno, and, and Jackson. I think you, you picked up there that tidbit that Angie picked two losses this season. So she is super high on the Beavs. Got them going ten and two uh, going into the year. I, I picked them to go five and seven. Uh, and we'll run. No, over, you pick
2: seven and five. Or, sorry,
1: sorry, seven <laughs> and five. Sorry, seven and <laughs> five. I the numbers right, but the order wrong. See, okay. So I'm I'm under the weather this week. I've got a cold. If, if you're listening or watching us live on YouTube, you can uh, probably hear I'm a little congested. I'm gonna be pounding Gatorade as we go along. Um, so yeah, I, I might not be as sharp as I, <laughs> I am, was.
2: But. I was like mom liked Carter. As you see, I I do like my essential oils, and I made Carter stop by on my on his way home from practice yesterday and pick up a whole bunch of vitamins and. Voodoo oils, as my kids yeah. call
1: them. Uh, a little bit of a care package from Angie. But uh, <laughs> Jackson here will we'll kind of um, we'll transition here into Fresno State talk. But I want to let you introduce yourself to our listeners. They're very familiar with you at this point with how much you've help, helped us out uh, in previewing some of Oregon State's okay. opponents throughout the years uh, over, man, I, I think... We started running our offseason uh, opponent previews like four years ago, and, and you've been a, a mainstay for us there and then throughout game week. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself, where you're based, how long you've been covering Fresno State, and uh, and some of the other teams that you cover for the 24-7 Sports Network.
0: Yeah, so I also cover Cal and Stanford, so I've been helping out with those previews over the last couple <laughs> of years. I cover San Jose State and Hawaii. Hawaii, of course, has crossed paths a couple of times in recent years, too. Um, but I'm based here in Fresno. It, it all started here in Fresno. I've been covering the team since 2010. Uh, I started interning for scout.com that year and, uh, been contributing one way or another ever since. So about 13 seasons of covering the Bulldogs and, um, uh, was you know, born and raised here in Fresno and going to games way before that. So I uh, remember the, the early 2000 series between these two teams and, um, It's exciting to to kind of bring it back here after quite a while.
2: Jackson's almost as long as 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 I I am. am.
1: (laughs) I'm sure Jackson's got more fond memories of those early 2000s games than (laughs) than Angie might. I I don't have any recollection of them. I was still too young at that point. But um, I I know Angie has some some horror stories to tell from those, uh, those early 2000s games, particularly 03, I think, right?
2: No, 01. 01.
1: 01. Okay.
2: Yeah, not fun.
1: Well, speaking of Fresno State, the Bulldogs are coming off of a 35 to 7 win over Cal Poly in week one, uh, taking care of business in that FCS matchup. And, and Jackson, I kind of want to get your thoughts here before we preview Oregon State's matchup against the Bulldogs of, of just how well that team played uh, at home a, a week ago against that FCS opponent. I know, obviously, you, you always expect an FBS team to take care of business, but 35 to 7 is, you know, that's that's a, a solid score against an FCS team.
0: Yeah, so the Bulldogs came out as good as you could anticipate. They tied a twenty-one-zero lead in the first quarter, scored on the first three drives, and the remaining forty-five minutes were kind of painful to, to watch. It was pretty even from there. Um, this is the same Cal Poly team that the Bulldogs beat sixty-three to ten last year. Um, a few circumstances, you know, Cal Poly is not coming off of a whole COVID year absence and their year two in their scheme, so thought they'd be a little more competitive, but. I felt like more it was on Fresno State where they kind of stepped off the gas. Um, they had some interesting substitution patterns where uh, every possession basically was a different O line group. Uh, in a lot of ways, it felt like uh, kind of a, a scrimmage almost and kind of competing on the field on a uh, Thursday to see who might get those starts in week two. So, um, I mean, the first quarter was great. Uh, The rest of the game didn't leave the red wave all that inspired, uh, especially after all the hype that's been on this team all preseason and off season.
1: Yeah. It's always tougher to get a good read on a team when they open the season against a school like Cal Poly, whereas Oregon state obviously opened up against one of the mountain West favorites in Boise state. And I think you can glean a little bit more from that performance than, uh, than, you know, Fresno state playing against Cal Poly. So um, that makes this week's matchup all the more interesting in that I don't think Oregon State probably saw all of what Fresno State wants to bring at it uh, when it was watching the film. The Bulldogs probably didn't, you know, un- unravel the playbook or or throw all of their different blitz packages out there for Oregon State to see. Um, so that's kind of a an interesting wrinkle in, in this game where where Oregon State was meanwhile running trick plays offensively, throwing all sorts of pressure at at Hank Bachmeyer and, and Taylan Green. So. Uh, a little bit more on film there for boys or uh, for Fresno state to watch. But you mentioned the offensive line and we're going to talk strengths and weaknesses here, but since you mentioned it, I'll, I'll use it as a segue to the weakness, which you mentioned in, uh, in our behind enemy lines feature this week, when, when we had you on to, uh to write a little, a little breakdown and preview for us that the offensive line is, is probably the weakness of this team. Uh, I, I'm curious one, why that is, why you think that is, and and two, um, how much of a problem could that be for Fresno State against an Oregon State team that looks a lot improved on its defensive front seven?
0: Part of it has to do with the fact that they're so well-equipped at quarterback with Jake Hayner, and their receiver group is just, I mean, about as talented, as deep as it's been at Fresno State in a long time. They've also got preseason All-Mountain West running back, and so – even if you just had an average O line, it's going to look poor compared to the rest of your team. But it's more alarming when you know Jake Haner is getting pressured and and he's on the turf. And he, usually, when there's a turnover by Haner, it seems to be when he's under pressure and or is forced to, to make a play that he wouldn't have to if he had a little bit of a better O line. So that was kind of the storyline last year uh, as well. The running game was kind of a struggle. Uh, they got so far to one side of the spectrum of Haner. Tossing the ball around, that they kind of had to refocus on the running game. Uh, there was one game they, they had a bye week, and they just said, "We're gonna, we're gonna run it." And I don't think Hayner even had 100 yards when they beat Wyoming. They just, they were that tr- focused on emphasizing the run. So with the, Coach Tedford, they're trying to be more physical and balanced, and the old line's kind of the key to, if they can do that or not. Um, they lose one tackle who went to the NFL as an undrafted free agent. Uh, just missed the roster. The other day, um, they've got a preseason all conference tackle, Dante Bullback, who is not a, one of the, the favorites on our site on the message boards. So it's kind of like, okay, you're a preseason all conference, but uh, the, the locals know that, that there's some issues there with the sealing the edge. And uh, there's a big hole at one of the guard positions where they've been cycling three guys in and out and they rotated a lot against Cal Poly. So um, just kind of average to some worrisome moments from the o-line but not an overall just disastrous unit by any means either
2: how about oh go ahead
0: no go go ahead angie
2: well i just wanted to you know all the talk when when you talk to fresno state insiders and and you see the fans it's all offense and i get i mean Jalen cropper i remember when oregon state recruited him super talented wide receiver but we don't hear anything about the defense what are your thoughts on the defense? I mean, is that a strength, weakness? Where where, where does the defense lie?
0: Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) right. I mean, the strength and the weakness probably of this team are both on the same side of the ball. And defensively, a lot of the players are back. They didn't have a whole lot of personnel overhaul, but the coaching staff is almost brand new on that side of the ball. Um, With Coach Tedford coming back, there's a lot of continuity, but a brand new defensive coordinator and three new defensive coaches and Again, I know how much did they show against Cal Poly. So uh, you feel like on paper and with who those coaches are, Kevin Coyle, the D.C., was the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins for four years, was in the NFL for two decades after he was previously the defensive coordinator at Fresno State. Uh, the other assistants are mostly guys that were Bulldogs that had stops in the NFL or in the Power Five and came back to coach for Coach Tedford. So uh, everything on paper would point to the defense being – solid at least and not a concern, but um, you know, they weren't over the top great last year either though. Um, but uh, I mean, you look at just about every position uh, there's not a big weakness. Uh, just probably the biggest concern is that defensive tackle where a true freshman is starting, which is odd, especially over here where it's tough to recruit those types of players in the mountain West. Um, that's kind of the one question mark perhaps that doesn't have either a returning player. That's, started or uh, a transfer that's came in to fill in the gap.
1: It's interesting because I I think Oregon State fans look at Fresno State as as somewhat of an easier matchup for the Oregon State offense after going up against Boise State, who, you know, brought back a lot of players from a defense that led the Mountain West in scoring last year. I think they gave up 19 points a game or, or something like that. Uh, Boise State was loading the box against the Beavers and and, and really uh, trying to take away the run, which of course has been Oregon State's biggest strength for the last few years. So I think Oregon State fans are looking at this game and saying, oh, we should be able to put up way more than the 34 points against Fresno State than we did against Boise State because they're not as good of a defense. But yet when I look at and, you know, we haven't run the Beaver Blitz staff picks yet. That'll be tomorrow for, for the listeners. You have the uh, incentive to get to beaverblitz.com tomorrow. Um, but when I look at the predictions that the three of us made, none of us picked Oregon State to score more than 31. So I'm just, I'm curious, and I can't even pinpoint it in my own prediction why, you know, we think Oregon State's going to have a tougher time moving the ball against Fresno. So I'm curious, Jackson, if, if Oregon State is to struggle Um, and and isn't able to move the ball like it did against Boise State to the tune of 34 points last week. Why do you think that would be?
0: Yeah, um, I would say that it's a balanced defense where if they're able to compete at the line of scrimmage and not let Oregon State's running game going, uh, they've got enough talent on the back end too where they bring back two starting corners and they added another Cam Lockridge from Hawaii who was a starter there for two years. They've got their two starting safeties, one of which was supplanted by another returner. I mean, they've got six guys in the secondary that are going to be in and out. I mean, again, it's hard to really pinpoint a a particular strength or weakness with that defense. But even last year, as much as the offense was credited for everything, pretty much all the losses were the offense shooting themselves in the foot. They had six turnovers against Hawaii. They uh, really had a tough time blocking Oregon when they went up there to face the Ducks and the Boise State game was just a disaster overall. <laughs> so um, uh, looking at this defense, it's just, if, if they can make Oregon State one dimensional in one way or the other, that's basically how Tedford's defenses had success the first time around. That's what they're going to try to do. And it's um, kind of key in on whatever one dimension that end up be, ends up being during the game. It's, it's kind of tough to tell with Oregon State. I'm not sure which way that's going to have to go with a new running back or with the passing game with Chance Nolan. I'm not sure which way they're they're going to try to push him.
1: When I hear that, what I hear is it's a defense that's not going to win the Bulldogs a bunch of games, but it's probably not going to cost them very many games. And I think when you pair that with an offense that you know has one of the most potent passing attacks in in the country, um, you know, having a defense that is it's just rock solid and isn't going to do anything spectacular, but it's not going to cost you a game. Um, that's you know that's a combination that I think is is going to go pretty well for Fresno State, uh, and of course it did last year with with the Bulldogs winning uh, ten games. Right, they went ten and three last year. I think ten
0: and two. Yeah, ten and three.
1: Yeah. Um, one more note on the offense before we move on to some bigger picture stuff. I'll, I'll let Angie take this one. I think it's kind of the the softball, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Jake Hayner who comes back for. What sixth, seventh year at this point? I mean, Jonathan Smith recruited him to Washington. That's how old this kid is. Uh, Angie, let's let's hear your thoughts on Jake Hayner and uh, and pass it off to Jackson too.
2: Yeah, Jake Hayner. I mean, I remember him when he was being recruited. Um, what do? You, how do you think that Jake Hayner? I mean, I I love this matchup because I, I like I said earlier, I think President um, State's off. You know, the passing game is their strength, whereas Oregon State secondary is a strength. How do you? How do you think? Residential State's going to fare against Oregon State's very veteran defensive bat room?
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, you've got Hanner and, and Marino Cropper, who were both preseason fourth team All Americans by various outlets. I mean, you've got other receivers, Nico Hermigio in his first game at 100 plus yards last week. Um, Got Josh Kelly, who was uh, 700-plus yards last year, I believe. I mean, Ty Jones from Washington. This is a tough offense to stop, and I think Oregon State's got the talent to slow it down. And then kind of what other factors turn this game from that point, if that's the case. Uh, For me, I think it comes down to the running game. If Fresno State can run the ball, I think they're going to have a much easier time moving it through the air. If they can't run the ball and Oregon State can drop back or put in pressures and have a little fun just focusing on the passing game, that's when Hayner is at his worst, which uh, is a slim part of his time at Fresno State, but he has had games where he's thrown picks and kind of cost the Bulldogs or if he's getting sacked. Um, that, so for me, it's less about, I think, Fresno State's receivers versus Oregon State's DBs, but more about can the Bulldogs be balanced and can the Beavers uh, just prepare for the passing game, or do they have to stop everything?
1: One of those other factors that that could help determine the outcome of this game—you know, you just you brought that up—I uh, think is the atmosphere. Oregon State last year went one and six away from Razor Stadium um, in true road games. It was one and five. The only win coming against USC in the Coliseum. So. You know, Oregon State has a ton to prove on the road this year, and if it is going to take that next step um, and, and you know compete for the Pac-12 title like it hopes to, uh, these are the kinds of games that it's going to need to show that it's able to win. But we talked about the weather when we first came on. You know, that's not going to create as hostile of an environment as it could have if this heat wave had you know had gone into the weekend like it was originally forecasted to. Um, but outside of that. You know, Valley Children's Stadium is, is known to be a very hostile environment. It has one of the largest capacities, I think, of any Mountain West stadium. Uh, so I'm curious, from your perspective, from somebody who has been in that stadium on game days you know, countless times and um, who will be there on Saturday, what that atmosphere is like when a Pac-12 team like Oregon State comes in? What, what are you expecting in, in that way this weekend?
0: yeah typically when power five teams come here it's a big deal Um, not just in general but still from the pat hill years where that's kind of a a measuring stick for fresno state if they want to beat the the bcs or the power five types of schools then uh, this is one of those rare opportunities to get them at home Uh, this is the first pac-12 opponent at home since 2015. Uh, they don't have another power five school coming to fresno until 2027 Uh, So there's a lot for Fresno State fans to be excited about for this game. I'm also curious on the other side, too, because, frankly, the whole offseason, Fresno State's had a date circled on its calendar, and it's been September 17th instead of the 10th, because next week they're going to USC, and they usually travel 15,000 deep or so to games in L.A., and, of course, with all the hype on the Trojans, uh, that's kind of been the big one, and Maybe some fans have overlooked Oregon State a little bit, so I'll be curious to see how the, the, the atmosphere comes out. And then you couple that with last year. They had their first sellout in about six years, and they just totally laid an egg against Boise State. Uh, there was um, altercations in the crowd. <laughs> it was just an ugly night all around. And so uh, will there be more of the same this time around, or will it be a little bit of a, a redemption for Valley Children's Stadium? I'm uh, anxious to see.
2: Well, that's, that's my question because I was down in 01 and granted that was a bit of a buzzsaw that was coming off of Oregon state's trouncing of Notre Dame in the fiesta bowl, finishing four in the country sports illustrated, turns around, puts them number one preseason, Oregon state opens a season in Fresno, David Carr had like the game of his life. And that was seriously, if you're a Fresno state fan, I'm sure it was amazing, but for an Oregon state fan, it was frankly scary. I mean, batteries, bottles, things being thrown, um, Oregon State then went back in 03 and then said they would never go back to Fresno State. Um, fast forward, you know, nineteen years, they're back on the road. Is is this a different environment or should Oregon State fans I know a lot of Oregon State fans said they would not go. So is this something for the fans that are going? Are they is it gonna to, going to be a different I mean, a different safety level, or is it still gonna be as raucous as, as it was maybe back in the early two thousands?
0: yeah I would say you know, not too long after those types of events, uh, even June Jones claimed he had a screwdriver thrown at him.. From the <laughs> Jeez. Uh, we, we don't know if that's accurate, but there was apparently a screwdriver in the grass what okay. he said. so uh, <laughs> they, they got rid of alcohol at the Fresno State games okay. for quite a while, and that changed the atmosphere quite dramatically. Um, there was also frankly a long stretch where, They didn't have a whole lot of high um, stakes games. (laughs) So there haven't been a whole lot of big crowds for a while. To that level, they usually do over 30,000. But um, recently, alcohol has been brought back. It's about a a halftime type of deal. And there hasn't been a whole lot of ruckus at these games for a long time. But when there was the Boise State sellout last year, you've got like an extra 10,000 people that you usually don't have in that stadium that brought a little bit of a different – but and that's your by-
2: big rival too. I mean, that's like yeah. Oregon coming to Oregon state. I mean, that's, that's a big one.
0: Right. And so there was some altercations. There was a fight that spilled onto the field. Oh, so, uh, yeah, that was a, and that was as Fresno state was getting the, the doors blown off of them. <laughs> uh, I would hope that that was an isolated incident and that security will be ramped up a little bit, but yeah, I would say most Saturdays have been pretty calm. Uh, but when you sell out you just don't quite know what kind of oh, yeah and, and a 7 30
2: game play. i mean oregon state's not it's not like oregon state's immune to you know jackass fans i mean it just happens i mean everywhere you go especially when it's a 7 30 you've been tailgating all day i was just curious because that's it was it was an eye-opener because i've never been to a place where glass bottles are being thrown on the field and um i actually was sitting right behind the, um dennis erickson was the coach so erickson's family is right in front of us and right across the aisle was Fresno fans. And thank goodness they didn't know that we were all Oregon state fans there because it would have been probably ugly, but no, just an interesting, interesting thing. But um, no, I I think I love the matchup. I love, I love playing the best mountain West teams because I think when you take the kind of the top mountain West schools, I think they fit really nicely with the whole kind of middle of the pack. You know, I think it's a, it's a great matchup.
1: And we saw that come to fruition last year with, you know, the Pac-12 really struggling against the Mountain West. Of course, Oregon State uh, fell to Utah State in the L.A. Bowl at the end of last year, re- redeemed itself in week one uh, this year against Boise State. But, uh, again, to Angie's point, you know, it's, it's a tough matchup on the road against a team that was picked to win its division in the Mountain West. And so, Jackson, I'm curious as we move into some bigger picture stuff here, uh, with the Bulldogs being picked to, to win the West – How realistic of an expectation is that from this team, considering the success it just had a year ago, and how much talent comes back?
0: Yeah, I I think that's pretty much the floor for Fresno State's expectations here. Um, You know, the San Diego State is usually a tough one. The Bulldogs. It seems like every time Fresno State has a good team, they beat the Aztecs, and when there's a bad Fresno State team, they get blown out by San Diego State. (laughs) That's the litmus test. (laughs) Right, and so the Bulldogs have kind of circled that one as a win, and especially with San Diego State losing to Arizona by a pretty significant amount, that one feels even more so (laughs) to be the case this year. The rest of the West is not very good. San Jose State barely beat Portland State. Uh, UNLV might be a sneaky contender, but... Nevada got decimated with the transfer portal. So did uh, Hawaii is off to a really bad start. So the road is quite easy for the Bulldogs, I would say uh, from a divisional standpoint. And um, I mean, they could very re- realistically be favored their last nine games after they get through Oregon state and USC, regardless of if they're one and two or three and oh. the schedule is very favorable from there. So um the, the bottom line is for them to get into that Mountain West Championship game and then try to get their first title since 2018. But if they can be nationally relevant, uh, kind of see how the rest of the group of five champions fare, and maybe they'll have a, a shot at that New Year's Six Bowl. That's kind of been the uh, golden ticket Fresno State's been trying to aim for for decades now, and this seems to be one of those years where that's potentially in play if they can get one of these big wins early.
2: But Fresno State is a lot like Oregon State because Oregon State – you know, it doesn't start with a bunch of cupcakes. They have Boise State, Fresno State out the gate. Then, they, I mean, they do have Montana State, and then it's USC and Utah. So, you know, really front it with some really tough teams. Let's talk Tedford a little bit, though, big picture. What is it about Fresno that these guys come back? I mean, it's kind of Oregon, it's kind of Corvallis like in a way because, you know, Mike Riley's come back. What was it that made Tedford come back?
0: Yeah, I think um, a big part of it is the guys that come through Fresno state and they really want to see it successful. I mean, in 2016, Fresno state went one and 11, and it was the worst <laughs> I've ever seen Fresno state look the Deruder era, an outsider quote unquote, just, you know, it really did not work out well at the end of his tenure. And so uh, Tedford, as much as he wanted to coach again, wanted to, the the tagline was restore the pride and tradition of Fresno state football. He brought in a lot of Fresno state guys. he, cleaned house of the entire staff that was there before, even some other Fresno State guys that were there to try to kind of float the ship for a little bit. And um, I mean, yeah, and then you look at his staff, he's got three or four former Bulldogs on it as well. Um, it, it just, Fresno kind of a unique place in California, and it's kind of tough if you're not familiar with the program previously to get it. And that's what worked with Kalen DeBoer. He was there Got his trial run as a coordinator. Uh, he was had all the lay of the land by the time he came back, and uh, they weren't going to try to hire anyone else that was outside uh, again for quite some time after the Deruder experiment. It's kind of like Angie's
1: point, right? Yeah. No, I, I love your point, where... Angie, about how that is very Oregon State esque. Because I mean, look at the the coaches who have had success in Corvallis recently, it's Mike Riley coming back for a second stint. And obviously he knew the program from coaching for a couple of years to, to close out the nineties. Um, it's Jonathan Smith coming back after winning as a player and, you know, and having success as a coach. So. And then um, bringing
2: back, I mean, Trent Bray now is the D coordinator yeah. and Jake Cook is and, and Corvallis is a, it's more of a rural, I mean, it's kind of a Fresno state. It's, it's that rural, you know, Kind of town. A, I don't a know. A farming,
1: yeah, farming yeah. area, you know, out in the the quote-unquote middle of nowhere. You've got this college town um mm-hmm. and I think both programs, you know, we're seeing over the last couple of years uh are on the rise under the leadership of of some of their alumni. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Jackson, before we let you go, uh we got to get a prediction out of you and and for the the Beaver Blitz readers who haven't read Behind Enemy Lines today. Mm-hmm. Be sure to do that. There's much more than just Jackson's score prediction there. But before we let you go, Oregon State at Fresno State, 730 on CBS Sports Network. What you got?
0: Yeah, I, I picked Fresno State 28, Oregon State 24 in, in my preview, which wasn't too much different than the nearest Carter, from my understanding. Um, I I think for Fresno State, a lot of times in these very even looking power five matchups, they got to go on the road. They start off slow. You know, there's that big play that has the momentum turn and the the away, the opposing crowd It's just something that they're not used to seeing in the Mountain West. And kind of all those little things add up and they fall just short. And you look back at all the little plays they could have made to win. I mean, even at Oregon last year, uh, they were counting those two or three plays that could have swung the game their way or the slow start. And now, finally, they're at home. They have momentum. They've got a sellout crowd, it looks like. I just feel like they're not going to have those hiccups that prevent them from from getting the win. Uh, but I do think it's going to be very close. I don't think it's going to be decided till well late into the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a lot more physical than kind of the over-under. I mean, I think it's above 60 right now, and we both Excellent. had our scores quite yeah. a bit lower. I think Oregon State's very physical. I think Fresno State, while... Uh, known for being physical last year. That's what Tedford wants to be. And it's going to be a very even physical game where a big play here or a turnover there kind of makes the difference.
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, whoever wins this game, you know, I I don't think it's going to be by more than a field goal or a touchdown. I don't see this thing getting out of hand one way or another. Um, I I don't see it being decided by, by, you know, more than one score. But um, Jackson, we want to thank you uh, again so much for coming on for, you know, a half hour here and, and just letting us kind of pick your brain on Fresno state. Cause, uh, you know, Angie and I, you know, we're, we're so, we're so oriented on the PAC 12 that we try to follow, you know, the West coast football mountain West. Um, but we, uh, we obviously do not have the wealth of knowledge that you do uh, being down in Fresno and, and being on campus every day. So thanks for joining us and for, uh, for giving our listeners all sorts of insight into that bulldog program.
0: Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. And I'll see y'all again, uh, Cal and Stanford week. I, I yes. Just...
1: <laughs> yep. We'll do thank it again. You. The uh, the listeners are going to become very familiar with, with you, Jackson.
0: All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for stopping by
1: That is Jackson Moore of 24-7 Sports, BarkBoard.com. Angie is still with me here, and we're going to talk about the week that was in Corvallis. We're going to provide a couple of keys to the game, but first, Angie, we got to talk about the weekend that was at BeaverBullets.com, because we set a new record for subscriptions. Uh, the promo has ended. The 75% off promo has ended. Um, but for those of you who are listening, who just joined beaverblitz.com, we want to give you a huge welcome to the community. Uh, and, and thank you for joining us and, you know, and and being here for the ride as, as Oregon state goes through this 2022 season with us.
2: It's going to be fun. And yes, it was, I was giving Carter updates to the whole, the promo. So thank you for that. Um, great, great to see all the excitement with Oregon state.
1: Beaverblitz.com is the place to be as the season continues. Uh if if you haven't been there all week, you're missing out on all sorts of great content. If you have been, um, you know, we'd love to continue to hear your feedback, help spread the word. Uh the community is growing faster than ever before. And a lot of that I, I think we can, you know, we can thank Oregon State's um yeah. uh play team, on, on yeah. the field. But um yeah, it's it's good to see that the fan base is so engaged. Uh as we hop in here to the second half of the show, Angie it wasn't really a newsworthy week in Corvallis, and you know, we—I was down there, uh, talked to some offensive players and coaches, some defensive guys. Uh, Jonathan Smith, of course, had his press conference on Monday. We didn't really learn anything new, uh, but we got a lot of really good reaction to how the team played on Saturday.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think, and that's—that's, that's, I think, what. Well, a, that's what the coaches want. They don't want bulletin board material. They don't want um, guys getting too high after a win. So um, I think if you're a fan that shows it's a very veteran team in that, in that regard, because you don't have the emotional um, they're very business like, Um, but this was, this is a team. Like I, we've said, this is a different, there's a different feel to this team and um, I'm anxious to see how they react and bounce this next week or on Saturday at Fresno.
1: There are some areas where, no news is good news. And, and one of those is on the injury front where Oregon State came out of week one healthy. And this just continues to be the theme. And uh, again, we knock on wood every time we say this, but Oregon State came out of fall camp very healthy. It came out of week one very healthy. And I think if Oregon State is going to reach its ceiling this year, health is is a big element of that. And Oregon State, as we know, has built all sorts of depth at, at key positions. But keeping those top, you know, those high-end guys healthy uh, is always going to be important for a program like Oregon State that doesn't necessarily have the four- and five-star depth up and down its roster. But to that injury end, since there are no new updates, the only two players that we know for sure will be out this week for the Fresno State game are outside linebacker Ryan Frankie and defensive lineman Sione Lolohea. Angie, And
2: Frankie's out for the year but Lolo Lolohea is he still day to day right or week uh
1: he's more week to week. Jonathan Smith at, before before week 1 said um it, it could be you know a, a couple of weeks before okay. he comes back. So if I had to put a timeline on it if I had to estimate I'd say you know that USC Utah game would be kind of the the front end of of when we might see Lolo Lolohea out. And I think you know we we haven't gotten confirmation from Smith on on Alton Julian but I think if you and I were to project that and, you know, again, this is, this is not an exact science. Um, Alton Julian, I think, you know, it would make sense to see him come in for, for that USC game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause he's ACLs are usually a full year and yeah. we're not at a full year yet. He has been practicing some. Um, I, I, think you hold him out, um, and, and let him make an appearance maybe that USC game that's best guess. And watch, that, they'll put him out. He'll come out, you know, Fresno,
1: who knows? We'll see. Uh, it would only add all sorts of depth and talent to Oregon State's already loaded safety room uh, and, and that defensive backfield as a whole. So without really the, uh, you know, any any newsworthy stuff on Monday, Jonathan Smith was mostly asked about Fresno State. It was interesting to get his perspective on on playing down there and, and coaching down there because, of course, as a player, he's been down there with the Beavers. Uh, he coached there. Uh, when he was with idaho of course he spent a couple of years at boise state and, and played down there at fresno um and you know it, what he said was we've just gotten beat you know every time it, it seems like every time jonathan smith goes down there he's on the uh, on the losing end and i think um, there are very few people in this in in the valley football center that are more hungry to to kind of write that trend than than jonathan himself
2: yeah i This is such a hard one. I mean, we're not talking predictions yet, but that's just it. I mean, until I mean, Oregon, this is a tough place to play. It's a really good team. And it's on the road and Oregon State has struggled on the road. So there's a lot of questions. But then again, I looked at how many things they you know, last year winning at USC hadn't done that since 1960, what 62. So I mean, stranger things have happened, but it, it is not going to be an easy, easy task.
1: And I think you and I both kind of factored that into to our predictions. Again, I keep teasing this, but it, it really is a great way to prep for the game at beaverblitz.com. Every Friday, we run our staff picks. Uh, and, and this week, we'll actually have an updated leaderboard because we have one hey, week of action the leader? behind us.
2: Who is the leader?
1: I think there's like a five or six way tie. A, a lot of us picked Oregon State last week, so I
2: know. But but what about the conf or the? Oh, that's
1: right. Different... That's right. Yeah, we do have yeah. a tiebreaker. I ha- I actually haven't calculated it yet. And in fact, okay. as soon as we get off of here, I'm gonna uh, update the leaderboard and, and format our picks for this week. But I
2: actually think I'm right up there, which we might need to take a picture because I'm never up there.
1: Most likely, I, I, th- <laughs> I think you actually might have picked the exact score. You might have been you were at least very close to it. But it's close. Um we've both factored in the, the fact that Oregon State's going into a really hostile environment that it hasn't won in before uh, into our prediction. And I think that's why Angie and I are both, you know, even after the way Oregon State played last week, I, I think we're still a little bit concerned about the Beavers' chances of winning down there because of the history of you know, the fact that this is going to be a sellout, like Jackson mentioned, it gets really loud and rowdy in there when a Pac-12 team comes in uh, and they're hungry to play one of those games. So I think the but environment the time, of, of this game is, is as big as any of the matchups on the field.
2: You know, I, I picked this as a lost preseason mm-hmm. when we went through the picks, but I, now that I've seen, and, and I get what he said about, you know, the offense, offensive line subbing in, but I just saw so much pressure being brought by Cal Poly that I will get to keys of the game, but I think this is either going to be really close and the Beavers lose, or I think it's going to be a blowout and Oregon State cruises to a victory. How's that for the spectrum?
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's either going to be close or not. or not. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah, that's top tier analysis right there. Um, some of the other interviews that we conducted throughout the week down in Corvallis, you know, talking to some of the, the, the two coordinators and then, Uh, a couple of players from each side of the ball. We were, in addition to, uh, you know, getting their perspective on Fresno State this week, it was was a good opportunity to kind of recap what happened in week one. And I think you learn so much about a team after its first game. And I think Oregon State did a lot of that. And I I think to be fair, they, they went into that game expecting to win and expecting to win by a couple of scores. But the way they did it, Surprised a lot of Oregon state fans and and they probably didn't even see this coming themselves. The five turnovers defensively is, I mean, that's just an eye popping stat. And uh, of course was, was one of the big takeaways this week talking to all of those players and coaches was that, you know, they did a great job getting pressure on Hank Bachmeyer and tail green, forcing them uh, into errant throws. And then of course, being there to take advantage of that. Uh, that was one of the takeaways that, that stood out to me this week. On top of that, of course, the offensive side of the ball struggled with uh, with penalties on Saturday. It had ten penalties for hundred yards. Chance Nolan had a couple of interceptions. Deshaun Fenwick fumbled. So the turnovers and and penalties are kind of the area of of not necessarily concern, but you know, the, kind of the point of emphasis of hey, we need to clean this up going into week two. Which I think we both expect, right, Angie? I, I mean, oh, after absolutely. week one, uh, seeing some some of that uh, kind of you know, just naturally work itself out with, with some of those, uh, you know, the penalties and and turnovers.
2: Yeah. And I think if you're the coaches, you're pretty much ecstatic that that's what you need to work on that. You didn't see a team just come out and completely just look lost that, you know, they, they knew the offense, they knew the defense, they knew what they were doing. Um, and it was really just procedural stuff that well, yeah, you hate to see it. Um, thanks Connor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just saw that comment come in in the YouTube chat.
2: <laughs> I did. I got my hair chopped the other day. Um, so no, you, you want to see, I mean, you want to see things that are fixable and that those are those teachable things that the staff can go back film and say, you know, Hey, you know, this is what you need to do, or this is how you block, or this is where, and I think it's a, you know, a big, huge improvement that we see on the, on those issues in week two.
1: Procedural penalties, I think, are one of the easier areas to clean up. All, all you have to do is just drive it home, make them do pushups after, you know, <laughs> whatever, and and just drive home that point. And uh, a lot of that is is just so mental. Obviously, you don't want to think too hard about it, um, and you know, to oftentimes yeah. that will create a bigger problem. Um, but I do think that is one of the areas that naturally in the game of football, you see cleaned up from week one to week two. So I'm not terribly concerned about it. Uh, And and to your point, Angie, that is, if, if that is the main thing that Oregon state needs to clean up, that's a great sign because that means everything tactically game plan wise, you know, conditioning wise, everything else was, was right there where it needed to be.
2: Yeah. And you know, my other big piece that I'm going to look at, and this is, this is a little tougher, but I want to see more consistency from those receivers. And I feel like I'm, Kind of beating that same drum every single week, and I know you feel the same way. But um, too many drops from some of the the starters there that we need to see some consistency and make those catches. Because I think the quarterback has made the step up. We we saw some great passes. We saw some great deep balls. But now we need those receivers to be consistent and catch those balls.
1: Yeah, it's an area that you know I, I think if if teams are going to stack the box like Boise State did last week. Oregon state has to continue to take advantage of it and chance Nolan showing his improvement. There is, is only one half of it because there were times where he did put the ball on the money and it was dropped. One of those turned into was an interception. The other what one should it? have been a touchdown. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, there's, there's more than one element to that. Um, that's a good segue kind of to our, our keys to the game. Um, I I've, you know, again, on, on our rundown here, I, um, listed one offensive and one defensive, but I haven't consulted with Angie to get her keys. So she might have something on top of what I've got. She might have something that contradicts what I have, uh, or she might just agree with it. But my offensive key to the game for Oregon state this week is, is just to establish the running game. Because to the point I just made, you know, Boise state stacked the box sent eight or nine hats to the ball on every play. And the Beavers weren't really able to run the ball. and And so it Oregon state had to rely on its passing game. Luckily it was there, but if it's not, you know, Oregon state can't afford to be one dimensional. No. And, and I, I think last year at times that's what cost them in games was when the running game wasn't there. Uh, it, it wasn't able to to capitalize through the air.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree with you on that. Um, plus on the road, you always want to be able to control the clock and the time of possession. So running the game and getting that established early um, because if you can get that running game established, then it also opens up the passing game and just makes life easier for, I mean, coach Lincoln would be able to open up his playbook and do what he wants to do. So absolutely hundred percent. But like I said, I need to see consistency from those wide receivers and I will call them out on it.
1: I've seen a couple of plays from this game and actually at beaverblitz.com Peter Riley Osborne does an incredible job with his, uh, with his trench report. And, and this week, uh, you know, kind of broke down the film a little bit and, and provided some insight not only to the offensive line, but, um, just kind of the the way some of these plays are designed, why they're called, why they work. Um, and one of the things that stood out in watching his his film study there was it totally was clear that Boise State had like upwards of eight or nine guys running to the ball and and assuming and hoping that it's going to be a run play. And I think you can really clearly see that uh, when you watch the game back, which I, I found really interesting. I mean, you know, you just looking at at where the defenders eyes are, you can tell that, you know, the safeties, the linebackers, everybody in the middle of the field is, is keyed in on the run. And so I think that's why it's so big for Oregon state to be able to capitalize when that is the case, because you have one-on-one situations downfield with your receivers. Uh, and so I have to give a lot of credit to guys like Tyjohn Lindsay and, and Luke Musgrave for identifying that and taking advantage of that last week.
2: Absolutely. And that, like I said, if you're not a member of Beaver Blitz, you, you need to join just for nothing else than for Peter's analysis on the, on the trench reports, because seriously, he, it's a 15 minute breakdown and he takes plays, breaks them down. And you know, you always say hat for a hat, you want a hat for a hat, but when he's able to slow down the film, stop it and point out who has who and where the plays are going, it will make you a smarter football player. Believe me.
1: A smarter fan as well. Um, and or yeah, I, I, I guess think...
2: not a football player. Sorry. Yeah. A football fan.
1: Um, Oregon State establishing the running game. Angie and I both agree. Offensively, that's the key to the Beavers scoring points this week. It's to force Fresno State to respect both elements and um, to not just key in on one side because, again, you're playing a dangerous game if if you're getting one dimensional. You better be really good in that one dimension. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to run into some problems defensively, Angie, I'll let you go first here if you've got something other than me.
2: No, because I just saw, I just took a peek and it is exact same because I think yeah. your point and, and my point are exactly the same, sorry. Um, they have to pressure Hayner. I mean, Hayner's a top tier quarterback. I What I saw from the O-line at Fresno, I'm not super impressed with. And I think what I saw from the defensive front from Oregon's, okay, sorry. What I saw from the offensive line of Fresno State, I was not impressed with last week. And what I saw from Oregon State's front seven, I was more impressed with. This could be big. I mean, if Oregon State can get pressure on Hayner and force him into either quick decisions or bad decisions, uh, yeah, my my loss prediction is totally out the window because it's that important.
1: That's the matchup that I'm going to be watching the most this week is just, you know, can Oregon State really key in and take advantage of a position group that, as Jackson just said, when when he was breaking down the, uh, the Bulldogs is, is the weakness of this team, that offensive line. And I think in years past, you know, we'd look at that and say, okay, well, Oregon state's defensive front is the weakness of its team. So it should be able to, uh, you know, you know, the fact that an opponent's offensive line, uh, you know, the fact that it's not good, that kind of mitigates the damage of, of what you could see from an Oregon state defensive front. That's not playing well. And, you know, it's, I'm, I'm doing a poor job of explaining this. Maybe it's maybe it's my cold. Um, but I think when you see those two weaknesses go up against each other, you say, okay, well, our concerns on Oregon State's defensive front are mitigated because they don't have a tough matchup. Well, this year, we think, and the, and the team thinks, and we saw in week one that Oregon State does have a stronger defensive line and that its outside linebackers are getting pressure on the quarterback uh, and that they, they are containing the run. And so the fact that they've done that against an offensive line at Boise State, that, I think was, you know, thought by many to be, if not good, certainly better than it was last year. Um, The the fact that we've seen that makes me pretty optimistic that Oregon State can get some pressure this week.
2: Yeah. That's like I said, the matchup with, with Fresno's wide receivers and Oregon State CBs, I think is intriguing too. But the biggest thing I'm looking for is if Oregon State can get pressure early on Hayner, I think it's going to be big.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, look at the, the defensive backs, like, They have a tough matchup. Don't get me wrong, but I think we're both very confident in their ability to Mm -hmm. not necessarily stop the passing attack, but to slow it down. Uh, But the key for so long has been that they didn't get enough help from the front seven um, to really show what they're capable of. And and so if they do get that help this week, I I think that's the only way Oregon State slows Fresno State down uh, to an extent great enough that it wins this game.
2: This is not on the on the rundown. I'm just curious. Five Oregon State had five turnovers last weekend yeah. against Boise State. Over under? Do you think they go over or under that this week?
1: Oh, under. I, I just think okay. you know Jake Hainer being the experienced guy that he is, and those receivers being as sure-handed as they are, uh, you're not going to see like last week against Boise State where Taylor Green was just throwing the ball over the middle of the field hoping his receiver would be there. Um, you know, you're you're not going to see Hank Bachmeyer sit in the pocket for so long that he's getting the strip sacked. I, I just think that Hainer is. Uh, So much, I think tactically, he's just so much more sound than either of those guys were last week. And, you know, his high-end ability as a passer, um, I think, not only has the ability to mitigate what Oregon State's defense can do against him, but also, um, you know, potentially elevate his play above what Oregon State's defense is capable of. Solid. Those are our keys to the game. Establish the running game offensively and pressure the pocket defensively. We still have 10 minutes left before we hit the hour mark. So I, I wanted to, you know, every every time we record a podcast, I say, all right, if we have enough time, we're going to get to this. And, and sure enough, I didn't do that this week. Um, <laughs> but I do have the Pac-12 schedule pulled up this week. Okay. And I think this is a good opportunity yeah, to look at. Some of the games that are coming up in the conference this week, of course, Oregon State's game against Fresno State, I think, is is one of the biggest matchups again for the Pac-12 as it was last week. Just for a middle of the road to you know middle upper of the road Pac-12 team to go against a very good Mountain West team. As a conference, those are the games that you need to win. So Oregon State took care of business for the conference last week. Can it do it again this week? That's why I think it's such a big game.
2: Question here Travis Pennington says in your opinions if the Beavers pull off this win would they be next in line for be ranked top 25 mm-hmm. Do you think it's going this is enough or do you think because Montana State's not going to do it
1: No Montana State won't do it Um you know it's tough because I I don't think Oregon State got the respect it deserved from That's the reason. voters after week 1 to only get 5 votes and you know I think that puts Oregon State around Thirty fifth, thirty seventh in the polls. I, I just think Oregon State's better than that. You know, I, I, think, I think, think it was after, the I think after week One there, there's that element too, and I think there's also the element of you know wh- why do we do preseason polls? It's just yeah. a, a tool for confirmation bias. Um, you know, I, I think if you're just ranking week one alone, Oregon State should be closer to the top twenty five mm-hmm. than that thirty five to forty range. So. Yeah. I don't know that a win this week is enough. It probably puts them right on the edge. Um, you know, maybe they take Oregon spot as, as the first team out. Um, but yeah, I, I think they'd be deserving of a top 25 spot. I just don't know that, that they, that they would get it. I think,
2: I think it's another seven 30 game and that's, yeah. you know, I think the problem with, I mean, I even looked at our 24 seven analysis afterward and they didn't have them in the top 25, you know, for the week. And I, yeah. I'm, I think a lot of it is just that nobody watched it and on, on the East coast, they just didn't stay up late and they didn't watch. Um, I think it'll be close. If, if Oregon state can beat Fresno convincingly, like by let's say 14 to 21 points, then I think the voters would have to take a look.
1: I completely agree there. So now that I've got the PAC 12 okay. schedule pulled up uh, let's just highlight we can go down the list and, and you know, you can stop me if there's a game you want to talk about here. Um, number 13, Utah hosts Southern Utah. That's that should be a blowout. Uh, Colorado goes on the road to Air Force.
2: Air Force will roll.
1: That triple option <laughs> could, be, uh, could spell danger for the Buffaloes in, in Colorado Springs. Dude,
2: the Buffaloes look bad. Yeah.
1: Uh, number 19, Wisconsin hosts Washington State. Jake Dickard's squad uh, barely pulled off a win against Idaho last week. They they were down 10-0 at, at one point and uh, struggled all the way through that, but but did outscore the Vandals there on the Palouse. Washington hosts Portland State, another FCS matchup that, you know, I, I think we expect to go in the favor of the Pac-12. Of course, Washington last year lost to, to Montana, so uh, this is never a given, but... Um, I think we both expect the Huskies to win that one. Cal hosting UNLV. That one's a little more interesting. That's,
2: yeah, that one's, especially, you know, you look at uh, defensive coordinator for Weaver fans, defensive coordinator at UNLV is Keith Hayward, who used to be at Cal.
1: So. And of course, used to be at Oregon as well. Um, UCLA gets, man, I think this is Alabama State. Uh, the the Yellow Jackets or the Wasps or, or whatever. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm pretty good at, at knowing schools' mascots and you know finding and like identifying these niche teams. I think it's the Alabama State Yellow Jackets, but okay. it, maybe it's the okay. Hornets. Uh, if if somebody in the YouTube chat wants to to comment there, uh, so what you're telling me,
2: UCLA is going to roll with ten people in the stands. Uh
1: It should. It should with with about yeah. <laughs> to your point, about 10 people in the stands there at the Rose Bowl. Um, one of the tougher matchups for the Pac 12 this week, Arizona State goes on the road to Stillwater against number 11, Oklahoma State. That'll be a test, and I think it'll tell us a lot about where Arizona State's program is. If it goes in there and and you know just gets blown out, like I think it could, um, we could, we could see the bottom fallout of this Sun Devils program. Uh, but on the other hand. Herm Edwards could, could go a long way in saving his job if he goes and pulls the upset.
2: Yeah.
1: The ABC game of the week, number 10 USC going on the road to Stanford playing at the farm in front of, well,
2: 25.
1: I mean, if there were 10 <laughs> at the Rose bowl, uh, we, we might be looking at about eight. Uh, in, in no, Stanford. but USC,
2: well, USC's band has more than that.
1: <laughs> That'll be a home game for USC. Yeah, yeah. Um Stanford students I don't even think are on campus yet, and and that probably accounts for about 2,000 of their 4,000 fans. So, um, yeah, USC home game on the road at the farm, 4.30 on ABC in primetime. Oregon hosts Eastern Washington, another FCS matchup, uh, kind of a a trend in these these early season games, of course. Um, the, The Pacific Northwest FCS squads getting their payday's Pretty comfy landing spot for Oregon. We're not going to know anything about them after this week unless they lose or struggle. Um, Of course, Oregon State goes on the road to Fresno, to to Fresno State at 7.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. And then Arizona gets the nightcap hosting Mississippi State at 8 p.m. on FS1. That that, is another one. That's going
2: to be a good one.
1: After the way Arizona played last week, taking care of business on the road at San Diego state, man, I think this Wildcats team is so, so far improved.
2: Yes. That one will be an interesting one. I'll be, I'll be changing stations at halftime to check that one out.
1: That's the beauty of, of covering Oregon state football games from home as I think we're doing for maybe the first and last time this week. Uh, I'm, I'm planning on going to a couple of away games, but Angie and I both said, uh, Fresno, I think we'll watch that one from our, uh, From our couches, but that is all we've got for this episode of the Damn Podcast. Uh, Again, we're we're going a little shorter on on this one. Didn't want to hold Jackson too long. He had just finished a a radio or a TV hit before he came on, Uh, so wanted to get him off. And um, you know, I don't see how he does what he does.
2: Seriously, he covers Hawaii, San Jose State, Fresno State, Cal, and Stanford.
1: Five teams. It's it's impressive. I mean, I I think about what we do at Oregon State and say, man, that's a lot, but five teams, man.
2: Five teams, yeah.
1: It's exhausting to even think about. Uh, We want to thank everybody for joining us live on YouTube at Beaver Blitz Video. You guys are absolutely crushing the numbers right now. Uh, Wait,
2: we grew like 100 people yesterday on YouTube video, or Beaver Blitz Video.
1: Yeah, it's, it's impressive to see what you guys are helping us do uh, on that platform. We just continue to grow. We continue to grow across the board. Uh, of course, I mentioned BeaverBlitz.com is at a new record for subscriptions. Uh, so thanks to to all of you guys who are listening, who who joined us over the weekend, taking advantage of that promo. We're glad to have you on board. You're not going to be disappointed with the content you get throughout the season. Uh, so for more content like the damn podcast, head to BeaverBlitz.com. Um, for more of that throughout the weekend as we provide game coverage, go in depth afterwards with our He Said, She Said column, uh, highlight some of the top performers from Oregon State versus Fresno State, and much more. But
2: and just and join our lodge chat. Road games are, I mean, we had a great time for a home game, but during the game, make sure you're checking the lodge because we kind of discuss the game. And if, if you go back to try to read the lodge chat, you're going to be disappointed because it's like all over the board it's high, it's low, it's high, it's low, but it's super fun during the time. So
1: Good advertisement there to get in the lodge. We want to thank Jackson Moore for joining us on this preview episode. Thanks to everyone who joined us live on YouTube. And of course, thanks to everyone who's listening us to us, listening to us anytime on your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can find us there at Damn Podcast, an Oregon State Athletics Podcast. We're gonna be back on Sunday to recap Oregon State versus Fresno State. Until then, you can follow her on Twitter at Angie Machado One. You can follow me at Carter Baines, and we'll talk to you on Sunday for another episode of the Damn Podcast.
0: The wait is over. The shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the shy?
1: Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right
0: up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash the Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.